Hey, Jeff. Hey, Eric. How are you? I'm pretty good. How are you? Doing well, thank you. Back on the East Coast after another great trip to Los Angeles for your boys. It's the real. Another one. We went to LA for business, for good food, for good weather. We were like, let's just get out of New York and enjoy ourselves for a week because we don't do any enjoyment here in New York. We went out to Los Angeles and we sat down with our guy, Wiz Khalifa, for a great interview. And at the end of it... He was like, do you want some parting gifts? And we were like, of course. <laughs> Who doesn't? Know. Yeah, it's like a game show. Who does not want to leave with parting gifts? Are we going to get leftovers from some of his burrito? Is he going to give us a Taylor Gang chain? Whatever it is, yeah. we're here for it. We are here. That is what we came for. And what did he offer us? He gave us weed. He gave us two pre-rolled joints with Khalifa Kush. And well, he said he had a lot. So he was like, <laughs> you know, here, just, just take it. And by the way, in case you're wondering, he did have a lot. There was a box filled with pre-rolled joints he, he was a, just like he joint a, for you joint for you joint for you like he no longer has one of his friends roll up all of his joints now he has this machine that does it Wiz is forward thinking yes so he has a couple joints for us we say thank you we listen to some new music and we leave and we put those joints in the car in the center console and we go about our business and that's fine until you get back to the car and it smells like a your, college dorm room. It smelled <laughs> like a basement. It, it smelled, smelled like, like we were on the farm. <laughs> it was unbelievable how loud this Khalifa Kush was. And we're going to go back to New York. Obviously, we're not going to take it through TSA, even though I wanted to pet the TSA dog. We have friends at TSA now. But the no TSA, big deal. Yeah, the TSA dog has a sign around it that says, do not pet. That was your concern? It looks like a friendly dog. And then it's like, oh, wait, this is very much a not friendly dog. No, that's no, no, no. It's it's not that the dog is not friendly mm -hmm. and you're not supposed to pet it. It's that the dog is trained to find the weed yeah. and you would be carrying the weed. No, it's no, a, no, no. It's, it's, not, saying... it's not a matter of like, oh, this is a seeing eye dog. Don't pet it. It'll screw up its head. <laughs> it's that it has one job uh -huh. and that's to find the weed that you have on you. I did not have weed on us. You, you just care about like petting the dog. I want to pet the dog. Look like a friendly dog. Pet the dog, and the dog's going to bite you. You are on weed right now. <laughs> I'm a very zen. So, he gives us this weed, and we're like, well, what are we going to do with it? And we said, because we don't smoke, we'll give it away. Yeah. And so, we went to breakfast at John and Vinny's on Fairfax in Los Angeles, which is a dope spot. We've known about it through our friend David Cho for years. We've been there for lunch and for dinner. And this time, yeah, nobody really goes to do for breakfast. breakfast, but we went for breakfast and it's highly, so good. highly suggestible. So yes. go do that. Go, go there. And then afterwards, we had about a half an hour to kill before one of our meetings. And so we went on Instagram live and we said, hey, anyone in Los Angeles, we have two pre-rolled joints fresh from Wiz Khalifa. We're not lying. Come find us on Fairfax. We'll be here for a half an hour, and we'll give them to you for free. And they're not poisoned. We promise. Yeah. People drove by and recognized us. People said, oh, my God, you're in Los Angeles. We're going to come find you. People said, I wish I could make it right now. And at least one person whose name is Cousin Lou on Instagram said, I'm going to be there in 25 minutes. And guess what? I'm in my work van. He showed up. And it was so much fun for us because now we had this like community on Instagram live tuned in waiting for Cousin Lou to make it there. And would he get there before we left? Would he actually be, as he described, a 5'11 fat Mexican? He was 
he was definitely 5'11". He was definitely Mexican. I wouldn't describe him as fat. But he called himself fat. I know. It wasn't like the people were like, is he fat, is he not? Yeah. But people were wondering if he was wearing glasses, if he was wearing a hat. And yeah, the, there was a, a lot of preconceptions going into this. Is he going to be bald? Is he? And, and you know what? His hair, he, he, it, was, it was shaved. It was shaved. He wasn't he was, bald. He was driving his work van. We're not going to put all his information out there. Yeah, now it sounds like we're like narcs. We're no. like, okay, so if you're looking for a 5'11 right. <laughs> Mexican with two joints on him, go find him. No, yeah. this was, we were trying to do a good thing. And, and we did. And my concern really mm-hmm. was if we saved the video to Instagram Live, because mm-hmm. there's an option there where it's like you can delete it or you can save it. If you save it, are we then distributing weed like are we then technically we're distributing weed but i think that you have to make money for it to be a transaction yeah is that right you can't just be like arrested for like goodwill or something like that arrested for having him follow us yeah so so shout out to cousin lou who showed up got that weed and i really hope that he handled it well because again as everyone has told us this is like the strongest weed this is not for play and we were just like giving it out willy-nilly we were like whoever shows up Whatever age you are, we're not carding. We're not, like, looking for a medical marijuana license. Just whoever shows up quickly. Well, it turns out that Cousin Lou has glaucoma, so it's oh, good. good that we solved it. I'm glad. Yeah. I'm very glad. Was he wearing glasses? Uh, sure. Can it solve his baldness? <laughs> yeah. Who knows what that He's not bald. can do? He has a shaved head. Shout out to Cousin Lou. Shout out to everyone who was tuned in. Shout out to the Fleisch. Shout out to everybody who was in that, in that Instagram live. It was a lot of fun. And especially shout out to Wiz and the whole team over there at Taylor Gang who... Again, Wiz is not out here just talking to everybody. This was a significant get for us. We were thrilled to to sit down with him and talk about everything. And can I just say how happy I am that we were able to talk about the Chief Keef video shoot that never <laughs> happened with uh, Wiz Khalifa stranded in the desert? It's so it's so funny. Cent. We talked about so many things. That was absolutely number one. And Wiz is the best, as you guys already know. And we covered a lot of ground. We don't need to introduce you to him and tell him, hey, this is rapper Wiz Khalifa. It's, you know. It's Wiz Khalifa. It's Wiz Khalifa. Kickboxer Wiz Khalifa. Before we get into the podcast, I do want to say that we appreciate everybody who has been listening to old episodes, everybody who has been tuned in from the very beginning, everybody who has been suggesting this podcast of ours, A Waste of Time with It's The Real, to all your friends, family, and fans, because... We've been watching the numbers, and we normally don't, but we looked at the numbers, and guess what? It's fun to watch the numbers when they're growing oh like Oh my this. God, we're doing pretty well. Yeah. So shout out to everybody who is actually listening to this podcast, or whatever. If you press play and leave the room, I don't care. <laughs> I just appreciate that you guys are a part of this journey, and we feel really, really good about this. And I want to say this too. If you guys want us to come to your city and perform our act live, we're willing to do that. We're going to Akron, Ohio on this weekend yeah we are gonna be we have some shows that we are not allowed to announce yet but we are going to be in different cities this year and are really looking forward to this if you want us to come to your city promoters or people who know promoters or you just want us to hang out in your city and you want to fly us out that's cool hit us up eric at it's the real.com and jeff at it's the real.com we are here to come to your city let's make it happen jeff when do you want to get into this episode? Right now. Yo, what up? It's Eric, a.k.a. Rolling Joints, a.k.a. Cracking Knuckles. Yo, what up? It's Jeff, a.k.a. Walking on Water, a.k.a. Drippy Longstock. <laughs> I'm just Wiz, a.k.a. <laughs> chilling with my boys. <laughs> yeah, this is a waste of time with this, the real. Wiz, what's happening? What's good? What's good? What's Everything's good? Everything's good. Can I tell you something? <laughs> like, we interview so many people. We've been around for 10 years, and you know this to be true. 
a lot of smokers have this reputation for having bad memories or forget from memories. You have one of the best ones ever. Every yeah. time we see you, you remember who we are. Yep. It's all love. And it's crazy. Actually, you and Currency yep. both have amazing memories. Yeah. I mean, we usually remember, like, the cool people. <laughs> <laughs> like, if you're a dickhead, like... We don't fuck with you. But nah, y'all come to the shows. Like, yeah. y'all show genuine love. And, like, y'all don't be extra or none of that shit. Right. Y'all just be trying to soak up vibes. So it's like, those are the types of people that you're supposed to hold on to right in on. life. I don't know if you remember this, but there was an Atlantic Records party. Was it a year and a half ago? It was like a Christmas party or something. Yep. When yep. you dropped All Night mm-hmm. with Juicy. Yep. And you walked in and they played it, like, back to back to back. Yep. And every, like... Just straight laced, you know, person from the pop side or whatever yeah. lost their minds. Yeah, and one girl had a dance off with you. Yeah, yeah, I was crazy. It yeah. was wild. I remember walking in there because it was like super late. But the, that's the thing about like, uh, in I wanted to say industry parties, but really like record and label parties. Yeah, they're fucking turnt. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like you go there and it's like the office, but nobody's acting like they're in the office. So it was cool. Like. I got to smoke in there, yeah. you know what I mean? They went and got me well, the liquor. Where are there that I places like. that you can't smoke? <laughs> <laughs> Has anybody ever said no to you? Um, nah, not really. <laughs> yeah. Nah, for real, it's crazy. Like, I, I get to smoke a lot of places. But I just be chilling, though, like, you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Yo, what, we were talking about this on the way over here. What was, like, Pittsburgh, like, weed like compared to, like, California weed? Man. <laughs> It was a process going through, like, the weed in Pittsburgh. Because first it started out, it was, like, they call it 50. It's, like, mid-grade. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you're smoking, like, seeds and shit like that. But then you could get some good mid-grade, but that was, like, that was balling back then. But then they started coming through with Purple Haze, and then Sour Diesel started coming through. Yep. And then we first got Kush. Mm-hmm. And that's when I went out, to, came out here to the West Coast, and then found, like, real Cali Kush. When you first started smoking in Pittsburgh, did you just not know any better? And you're just like, well, this is what all weed is well, like. Well, that's the thing about Pittsburgh. We know good weed there. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Like, they know good pot in Pittsburgh. Yeah. So... I was always on the quest for the, <laughs> for the best weed, even though, like, every time it wasn't always there. You yeah. know what I mean? I was trying to find it. What was growing up in Pittsburgh like? It was cool growing up in Pittsburgh. It was like we moved really fast. Mm-hmm. Um, like, grow, growing up really fast, like, saying the P word in, yeah. like, third grade. You know what I mean? I won't yeah. even say it now. <laughs> Pittsburgh. But, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Basically. But, <laughs> But, like, yeah, so, like, you know, we moved fast and we we emulated a lot of things that we've seen everywhere else because we never really had our own Pittsburgh thing. So music was really big in Pittsburgh. Uh, sports was really big in Pittsburgh. What music were you listening to? Uh, a lot of East Coast music, like, yeah. uh, like. Talib Kweli, like most dev wow. shit like that. You yeah, know what I mean? yeah. You like, really we, were growing up fast. You're yeah. listening to like some very mature. Yeah, music. yeah. Underground <laughs> shit, like really knowing like what lyricism was in third grade and weird shit like that. But it was cool though. It was fun because that was like our outlet. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, a lot of the performances, like when shows would come to Pittsburgh, it would be a really big deal because we didn't get a lot of famous people around. Yeah. So anytime there was a concert, we all would go to it and you know show up. What and concerts was, like, were you shit. going to? Like Puff Daddy and the Fam. Uh, Rough Riders and Cash Money when they came. Man. Uh, the Rock the Mic tour, I remember that in the year 2000. Yeah, but name some like not cool shows. <laughs> <laughs> I'm told you, those shits was fire. Like they was coming through. I remember Outkast came through. That shit was crazy. Like music was really, really big for us in Pittsburgh. Would I they play with, like at, at the Penguin Stadium or whatever? Is um, that... It was the Civic Arena back okay. then. Yeah, yeah, and then it changed to the Mellon Arena, and now it's like the fucking. 
Holiday Inn Arena. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> How much like the Deer Hunter is Pittsburgh? What the Deer Hunter? Yeah, like the the dude. No, the, the movie. movie. There's a movie. Yeah, yeah called it, the Deer Hunter. And it's, it's about from the late seventies. Yeah, it's very about dark. Like, uh, like Vietnam PS, uh, PTSD. And it's, it's Pittsburgh. Yeah. yeah. Oh shit. Christopher Walken. Uh, and like, fuck. Yeah. I imagine it's pretty Street. accurate. <laughs> <laughs> There's some crazy motherfuckers in Pittsburgh. Yo, so I mean, like, it's a steel town, steel yeah, city, yeah, and yeah, like, yep. so were most of your friends, like, parents, like, involved in the industry? No, not really. Um, I think the steel industry like ended in like the 80s and the 90s and it was more like everybody's from the projects yeah (laughs) because nobody had jobs or anything like that and section 8 had gotten really popular and there was a lot of like you know uh public housing like you know what i'm saying being built so that was the thing back then so a lot of my family is from the projects a lot of my friends is from the projects so was your like mentality to get out like as soon as you got out of high school no not really it was like that was all we really knew growing up and then i started to move around and go to different neighborhoods and then my main thing was we love our city that's you taught like hometown pride like right away like you love the Steelers. You love that's black, black and yellow is yeah, my yeah. hit because Wait, we, that was yours. <laughs> so, <laughs> but yeah, we love the city so fucking much. But my whole thing was to like always be just a little bit different and show like different sides of the city because yeah. I felt like we only had one representation and I wanted to show a lot of different sides of it. So, what was high school like for you? Yeah, high school was crazy. Um, it was one of those things where. Um, like ninth grade, you I was planning on going to college and doing all of this amazing stuff. And then like tenth grade, I was smoking weed, selling <laughs> weed, hanging out with the homies and kind of just figuring out life on my own. And that was when I was able to really find myself, like making my music and separate myself from my friends a little bit who were doing things that I wasn't really into. And um so I didn't really do I didn't go to like all the games and like the dances that everybody else went to because I was in the studio all the time. I was always working and just trying to build kind of what we see now. And it wasn't necessarily the coolest thing back then because you didn't have kids like being successful doing that shit. Yeah. You had more people doing like, you know, playing football and playing basketball, being on the news for that shit. So for me, rapping and trying to make a, a, a name for myself, it was really different at the time. For sure. Yeah. Well, especially in Pittsburgh, right? Like how how big was the community of like upcoming rappers at that point? It was really small. You had like the you had the people who had done it before us, like Strict Flow and like uh there was like the nickel and there was like um uh, some cats from the West End who was really doing it, Bell Suver, Homewood as well. But they never really went that far with it. So, especially being a kid too, you weren't you weren't mixing with those crowds. Like there was this place called the Shadow Lounge, and that's where the, you would like go and battle or play your music or perform your music and shit like that. And you did that. Well, I snuck in there a couple <laughs> times, and then I started getting booked there. Like later on, when people figured out how dope I was, yeah, I was probably like seventeen when I was really starting to perform at the Shadow Lounge because I had made a name for myself as being really dope as a young artist. But it was um it was it was a process for sure. It's and it's you know, it's it's never gonna be New York and right. it's never gonna be Los Angeles or mm-hmm. Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Do you get any inspiration from like remember the time when like certainly like Kanye opened up the Midwest, but then it was like it was like uh 
Houston became right. a thing, and they would uh-huh. send MTV down there, and it's like, oh, Slim Thug and Mike Jones. It's like that's a scene where right. like Nelly is right. out there in like you know like St. Louis. Louis. Right. Yeah. So or was Oakland that or yeah? Yeah. Was that a thing where you're like maybe Pittsburgh could be next? I I did think that at a time, and this is like no disrespect to Pittsburgh because I love my city, but. They just don't support each other enough there. Yeah. For my bad, I mean to touch your knee. <laughs> for us to have at that time, there wasn't enough support from each artist to to make a scene. Because like I said, I was seventeen, but there was other artists who were in their twenties and blah blah blah, and they weren't riding around listening to each other's music or promoting each other and showing each other love and. I think that's what really held us back from having our own scene and being known as what the Pittsburgh sound really is. is what about a local radio? Um, radio was really controlled by what the suits, yeah, yeah. bigger people. So there was not a lot of support mm-hmm. uh, for the they local. They weren't coming artists. out to the Shadow Lounge and being like <laughs> they were, but it was just like when you go to the club, they would never play your music, and that's where people. That's where it translates at in Pittsburgh. It's like if you're on the club or if you're on on TV, then you're popping, and these DJs would never play the music, and it was just like it, it never got popular to people. It was more or less you would go somewhere else. You could go to Atlanta or, um, you know, Florida or New York and start to get popularity and then come back home and then people would see, oh, yeah, your music is popping now. So. And did you think about doing that? Yeah, that's that's what I had to do. Yeah. yeah, that's the only way I was really able to make a name for myself, especially at my age range, because, you know, being, you know, 19, 20, the older cats really not relating to what I'm saying. And the younger people never seen this before anyway. So it's hard for there's a small pocket of people who are supporting it. Yeah. So I had to find that pocket and make it bigger and just expand it. And then it became more acceptable. Did you sell hard tickets in, in Pittsburgh? Yeah. Those days? Yeah. I used to do like uh, perform at fashion shows. I used to do a lot of college shows. That yeah. was that was my thing. That's the thing that really put me on. Like, so local, like Carnegie Mellon mm-hmm, or Carnegie like- Mellon, and uh, I, we would go up to Penn State or fucking what's the uh, what's the one downtown? Pitt Point Park, <laughs> yeah. Point Park, uh, Pitt for sure. We did a lot of shows at Pitt. Um, CMU. I mean, uh, fucking uh, 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 what's that shit? IUP. You remember the IUP shows? Yeah, yep. Man. So yeah. how does how does WBR get like on your radar or how do you get on their radar? So I was uh, I had a song called Say Yeah. I was with a production company at the time, uh Rostrum Records. Benji mm-hmm. was my manager in my production company. And our method was always, you know, just try to make the dopest songs and present these songs in this order to each label. And um, Warner was at a time where they were signing a lot of artists who had a popping song or a movement that they seen coming. I was still 19, turning 20. But, um, yeah, they heard Say Yeah. And it was just like a collection of people who said, okay, yeah, we can fuck with this. Like, we like it. It's a good song. Um, being that it was a rap song mixed with a techno beat, they never heard that that wave before. They never heard those two together. So they were like, let's make a million songs like this. <laughs> and that shit didn't work. So, Well, what'd you know at 19? Were you like, okay, record company comes in mm-hmm. and I'm going to use them for this, this, and this? Or were you just like, 
do whatever you guys do? It was really just me trying to make the biggest music possible because I had my side where I could make big songs and I also had my underground side where I could really rap and make mixtapes. So I was more or less trying to move towards writing bigger songs, but there was no lane for me there at that time right? because there was nobody who really done what I was doing where it was like rap and pop type shit. Right. You know, it, it was it was either your rap or your just corny pop. Yeah. There was no mixture of, of the two. So they didn't really understand it. And me, I didn't know either. I was just like, I was just making music. So the main thing that I really learned in that time was just how to deal with people. Uh, radio. Uh, it was like my media training. It was like two, three years of media training. Like me doing interviews on the radio. Me doing drops. And me just knowing what to expect from the industry. Going to parties. Mixing. Mingling. Doing fucking like... Um, car shows and shit like that you know just the normal regular like surface level get your name out there type stuff but it it, it ended up really working out in my favor so you actually did do media training though like it wasn't supposed to be media training but Mm -hmm. that's what i took it as um because that's the only thing that i got from it (laughs) (laughs) thanks warner brothers (laughs) what what markets like emerged for you at that point like that just didn't know about you beforehand like san diego arizona uh texas like seattle portland um milwaukee really yeah like weird places say <laughs> so yeah, you went out there really and popular. like you would do shows but also like politic with like the radio people mm-hmm. and get your name known and mm-hmm. your face and all that absolutely wow. and the main thing was like i would call the radio people before i got there and i would talk to them on the phone be like yeah you know i'm coming to town so let's chop it up and then that would be how the relationship was built yo can you just talk about how like much like being personable means in yeah. this business yeah well i learned all of that from brandon scales when he hears this fucking interview, he's the only one. And Crespo. Shout out and, to Sam Crespo. Yeah, Sam yeah. Crespo and uh, Kev Holiday as well. Yeah. Those those are like my main people who I can listen to. There's a couple other people as well who I, I respect them and I'll listen to what they say because they've sent me down the right road in this yeah. game. But being personable, having relationships, talking to people, dealing with people on a, on a real level. Um, that's Giving what, everybody a bag of money. There you yeah, go. Yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. That's what they do at dinner. They slide the money under the table. <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah, um, they, show, they show me that that's how you really get the love because everybody will play a song because they have to right but when it comes time when you're a little bit cool mm-hmm. you, them is the motherfuckers who you're gonna need no like, kidding that's yeah. who you want in your corner yeah yeah um, so you're you're playing like to decent sized crowds like in those cities right mm-hmm. you're building up like actual organic audiences um at a time when maybe your relationship with the record label isn't like fulfilling you know everyone's mm-hmm. sort of like prophecies right right i think around that time and you may not remember this. Maybe you do remember this because you do have a good memory. Uh-huh. We saw you for the first time during a CMJ performance in New York City. Uh-huh. And for anybody who doesn't know, CMJ is like the College Music Journal. And mm-hmm. like it's it's gigs all around New York. And we went and saw you on a night when the bill was Charles Hamilton, mm-hmm. Mickey, Mickey Fax, mm-hmm. and you. And you. And you closed. And to begin with, there might have been like 10 people in the room. Mm-hmm. By the time you got on the stage, because I think you were the, the last guy to perform, mm-hmm. there were like three of us there. Yep. And we know the other guy who was there, right? Yep. Um, yep. Shout out to Paul Cantor, who used to work at XXL. 
That and was in that little bar downstairs. It yeah, was, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. But what is of that? Of course you remember yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> I remember <laughs> that shit. <laughs> but, but you're like, oh yeah, those two guys. Yeah. <laughs> but like, what is it like for you? Because because you're a signed artist. You're like, you're in New York City and there's three people watching you. What's mm. your mindset like at that point? Are you like, fuck, um, man? I just take everything as a learning example and I have fun at that time, I was just trying to get drunk and <laughs> and, and have a good time. Like Mission before, exactly. <laughs> I got wasted that night, and it was super cool. And I knew that those dudes, like Charles Hamilton and Mickey Fax, it was their time. Yeah, so I wasn't in a rush to be, you know, this big anything. If I could come and represent myself. I was cool, and I shook hands with everybody and had a way better time than I even expected to, yeah. even though it wasn't mad people in there. And um, I feel like those are the moments that really built my career because, you know, when it's just three people, that's what shows you what you're made of. Like, if you're going to throw a fit and act like a baby or if you're just going to deal with it, then when it's 20,000 people, you still care, but it's st- like you, you give the same energy every time. Because you always care about the people who are there. You always want people to have a good time. For sure. And you always want to take away some type of learning experience from it. Like I wouldn't I wasn't I wasn't in my head or having an ego or or anything at that time because I still don't, but I wouldn't at that time because everything was still new for me and being in New York was like an honor and performing at that event was an honor. So I was just happy to be there. God, your media training is so good. <laughs> no, nah, man. That's the real shit. <laughs> so your time at, at Warner Brothers comes to an end. Mm-hmm. Who did you meet with and how did you decide that you were going to end up at Atlantic Records? Um, it was a process. So my time at Warner ends... I know it's going to be over. We do a press release on the internet. It says Wiz is off of Warner Brothers. My whole city is like, yeah, fuck you. You failed. Like, this is the not supporting you phase. Yeah, yeah, that. yeah, exactly. Do you, take, do you take that to heart? Nah, it's cool. I, I figured that, you know, and that's that's kind of a, a good thing because that's where you find out who your real friends are. Mm-hmm. And, it's the um, three people who saw you at CMJ. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all motherfuckers is crazy. <laughs> so at that time, I'm riding around with my three friends, and we're just trying to uh, figure life out. But it was really good because at Warner, one thing I did learn was they had the flip cam. And those those are the little bullshit, you yeah. know, camera that you could uh, plug in and get the data off of. So they're a proud sponsor of this podcast. That's right. Shout out to Flip. <laughs> <laughs> Call them bullshit. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> that's crazy. <laughs> um, fucking. But yeah. So, boom. I I picked that up from Warner as well. I'm like, y'all don't know how to do shit with those. Let me show you how to do do a little bit of something. So. I think I was riding around, I was going from city to city, like, acting like I was still signed and working with producers and mm-hmm. shit like that, and um, I had done, like, uh, freestyle in Atlanta, and I uploaded it on um, on YouTube using that camera, and that's when my organic following started coming. I was like, oh, there's people <laughs> all over the, doing this, so I could upload a song on the internet, and go and perform it somewhere and motherfuckers is gonna know what song it is so that was my outlet to put out music was through my videos and through the internet and then twitter and all of that stuff started coming around and it made it way easier for me to figure out who my fan base was and begin to share it so boom that started happening and um i think it was uh, a pittsburgh show we were at what club zoo when v came that was the a and r from atlantic who uh i think he came to like 
was he at a show before or was that his first one? Yeah, he was at Highline Ballroom in New York when I was just, I was on this crazy way. We was performing. I didn't give a fuck about nobody. <laughs> I'm just like, if you come to the show, you can come. If not, I don't give a fuck. And they were all packed and the floors were shaking and kids were smoking weed and shit. And like people had, at that time had never seen anything like that. So it threw him off guard as to why I wasn't signed. Yeah. And that's when he came to Pittsburgh and seen me perform there and was like, yo, we got to sign you back up. And at well, you know, Atlantic and Warner is the same company yep. essentially. Yeah. So they weren't too happy about having to sign <laughs> me again, but they were like, We're gonna make sure like we, we do it right this time. That's like when Def Jam was just like, What, we had Frank Ocean? Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Like motherfuckers it's it's crazy. You yeah. like a new dude sometimes. Can you talk about uh a, a woman who means so much to you and so much to us, Marsha Saint Hubert? Marsha's a G. Um <laughs> When we first met, I won't say we didn't get along. <laughs> She's a strong personality. Yeah. Well, I, I was just, I, you guys didn't get to witness this dude. <laughs> I was. I was a little scorned. <laughs> and I was acting like I was a little asshole when I first came. And I'm still like, I'm just a grown asshole. But like, imagine this kid just coming in just like, psh. <laughs> And that was my attitude towards everybody. I was making my own videos. I had my own fans. We booked our own shows. Yeah. I was buying designer clothes without a record label. I had bought the car in my dreams without a record Yo, label. Yo, when you're talking about that that wave, like yeah. every like teenager mm -hmm. in America was going to see your shows. Yeah, yeah. it was crazy. Yeah. It was really, really crazy. So and I was I was feeling it, you know. Like, <laughs> fuck y'all. So everybody who came to me, I was just like, you, you, you're a square, you're lame. Don't talk to me. I'll show you how to do this. And that's how we kind of hit it <laughs> off. <laughs> but through time, she became, you know, one of my real friends in here because it's like, she's a G. She understands when I'm being a baby. She understands when I, um, when I need to, you know, lock in and listen and. Even sometimes she just keeps it honest with me. It's like, Wiz, I don't know what we're going to do, but we're going to figure it the fuck out. Mm. You know what I mean? So I always like somebody who can keep it G with me and doesn't sugarcoat it or give me like a, a label-y type, you know, <laughs> answer. What about Cushion uh, Orange Juice separated it from everything else? Yeah. That was a crazy time, Cushion Orange Juice, because I didn't really know that the, that the mixtape was going to change the game the way that it did i wanted it to and i put all the energy into it for it but you know it's so hit or miss sometimes but um it connected with people and i and i all and i always wanted to do two parts like i wanted to do cushion orange juice and cabin fever like mm -hmm. back to back at the same time because it was like cushion orange juice was really relaxed and cabin fever is super upbeat yeah and that was always my thing was like i got these two personalities that that i could flex but people gravitated towards cushion orange juice more and i think it's a blessing because like every great artist like Nas has illmatic and biggie has ready to die and you know reasonable doubt and all of the classics and doggy style and the chronic so it's like for me to have my own classic is like shit that you gave away for free by yeah, the way <laughs> i can't even ask for no more like yeah it was free and the samples we didn't have to pay for <laughs> well this is a question for will maybe but like how come those aren't on streaming services how come it's only on that piff because of the samples mm. gotcha and yeah they, they, you still can't clear them well, that's not that's to. not my job <laughs> <laughs> Why aren't you in the business? that's yeah. not my job <laughs> <laughs> 
But you you were torn off that, and uh-huh. like you you felt you felt that you were proud of that, yeah. and and then Atlanta comes to you, has you in the building, and asks you to do a follow up to that. Is right. that easy? Is that hard? Is that something you even were considering? It was really difficult. Uh, the first the album process the first time. Because uh, I was on the road so much And my mind wasn't in this big songwriting stage It was in this organic fan base thing that I had built And I was so into that I, I, It was hard for me to step out of it and make my album for sure Well, and I think, I, I don't know if you remember this But at the time it, it sort of felt like you were like After you put the first album out mm-hmm. You were like, it was okay mm-hmm. But like I don't know about you. If you listen back to that album yeah. now, it's a great album. That album was amazing. I felt a lot of pressure from my fans, and that's where I said it was just okay. Yeah. But uh, I'll probably I'll never do that again. Yeah. <laughs> but like, what was it like getting too short? Like, you yeah, know? I did you know everything. him before? Yeah, yeah, nah. It was like everything. We just reached out, and like all of the success from the music too. Those it did a lot of numbers that were really good for you know just an album. It, to sit and say okay this song was this that song was that so it was a really great project i was just kind of fucked up in my head because i was going through a lot personally that wasn't really keeping me in my creative space so it was hard for me to see what was really going on well one thing i'm sure you could see was that black and yellow was like the biggest thing to ever like touch this country yeah, right yeah and you talked about like your city doesn't like support their own but mm-hmm. how can you not support that and like right. the Steelers were doing well that year right, right like right. so that was everything and yep. I'm sure it like was non-stop on the radio yep. so you go home what's the first time hearing that on radio like man I don't, I don't even think I heard it on the radio the first time my first time going back home with that song was performing it at the AFC championship yeah. right. <laughs> so it was fucking crazy like I, I was in the stadium towels was going and it was like it was nuts man like it was definitely like one of those unreal moments like you don't even really know what's happening and then you look back at pictures and shit and be like holy fuck <laughs> <laughs> that shit was crazy yeah yeah but no yeah. one can't no one can say anything to you afterwards right like nah nope <laughs> 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 not after that <laughs> um and so that that album does what that album does and you're still touring and mm-hmm. you're still moving out here how do you follow that up like what what is the label expectations for like at that point then I feel like after Rolling Papers uh, came out, everybody went back into confused mode because you're not a new artist anymore. And that's the that's the fight at that point is to just keep recreating and staying interesting. Um, Not only to the people, because I think people they switch when they want to and there's some people you're always going to have their attention and it doesn't matter what you do but my main my main thing was staying interested to the label yeah yeah well, how about changing your hair up at the yeah time? yeah yeah like, what was the impetus of that and like how was that received by like everybody well i always told them when they first signed me i was like yo this year i might want to be batman next year i might want to be spider-man <laughs> this year i might want to drive a boat next year i'm gonna be all the way in the trains <laughs> So y'all got to move with me. And I don't think they got it. <laughs> you know, you're a guy who, who who pushes your own boundaries, but also boundaries of a lot of other people. Mm-hmm. I feel like you're um, a very influential person. Mm-hmm. Is it crazy to look out and be like, oh, I influence that person, I influence that person? Yeah, it is. It, it, it's funny because 
like people are funny about influence it's like you have to be a certain type of person for them to admit that they're influenced by you. Mm-hmm. And I don't get that. It's just like, that's what cracks me up. Cause I feel like everybody has a little bit of inspiration from somewhere, especially like if you, you love art and you love music and you love, but then to see people like not even acknowledge it like that i don't come from that i come from like if you say if you see it you 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 know what i'm saying you talk about like oh i i want to smoke weed like snoop or i want to be fly like pimp c or like right. whoever like you yeah. know what i'm saying like that's gone and that's what cracks me up it's crazy yeah and and you know before you said the snoop thing i was gonna be like yo you pay such respect to like juicy yeah. and to snoop and yeah. like this is a real thing to ca- to cameron cam but, like, like even flows like you'll hear a, a certain flow and you could be like, oh man, I was inspired by Juicy on that flow. Like, yeah. you know what I'm saying? You got to because that's where you get your mind state from. It. A lot of people they lost that. You know what I mean? Yeah. And they kind of like they they look down on it. I guess to say that you inspired by something. Well, and <laughs> if if you look out there right now, mm-hmm. or you you hear out there right now, you must hear like a million whizzes out there. Yeah. Like everybody wants to harmonize their vocals. Mm-hmm. Everybody wants to like you know have that. That medium that you found between the pop and like the the real rappy right. shit, like right. so, how do you feel about that? Um, it's just one of those things that I just gotta observe and kind of just be aware of. Yeah, it's like, um, you know, when I had a fro, everybody had a fro. Then I got dreads and everybody got dreads. Yep. Not saying I'm the first rapper with dreads because right. Lil Wayne had dreads and tats before our generation. A lot of people twisted their their fro up. Yep. And then I colored mine purple, and then you see a lot of different colored dreads. That's the standard for, like, young artists with a certain pair of glasses that I didn't invent, but kind of look like what happened. So it's like, if you just look at it, it's like, all right, cool. You know, I don't have to say anything. Right. You know what I mean? And then you just let it do what it do. But then is it easy for you to be like, well, I'm off that now? Like that's, yeah, that's absolutely. A, okay, yeah. Super you easy. You can go cold turkey and just like move on? Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Like if, you know, we're doing a photo shoot, I'm like, I'm not wearing those glasses. Yeah. Because everybody's doing it. Yeah. And that's the thing that I like to stay away from is being like everybody because it's fun. You know what I'm saying? Like I love Rocky, but I'm not going to try to dress like Rocky. Right. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Because everybody tries to dress like Rocky. And it's so much fun and it looks so good, but I'm just not that type of person. Were you, know you always I mean? that type of person? Like in, to be in, an individual? In, yeah, like in high yeah. school, like you weren't. Yeah, like yeah. everybody had like J's and I wore Chucks. Mm-hmm. And I would get clowned for it, but I was like, yo, I can get fucking three pairs of these yeah. while you just getting one. Mm-hmm. And I like my Chucks. I like the look of it. Yo, you are so like different. <laughs> no, for real. Like, you yeah. know, you're like, like. Kids don't have that perspective, mm-hmm. like which is just wild. Good for you. Yeah, hell yeah. Did I you, try to spread that. Did you get? Did you win any superlatives um, in the in the high school yearbook? Like you know, like oh, definitely. I think I was most not most likely to see it, uh, most likely to be famous or some shit really? like that. Yeah. Yo, in yeah. our high school, they had like. Um, I think they had like most likely to succeed, but they also had like most likely to end up on the six o'clock news. Oh my god! Yeah, yeah that's like everybody in my school. <laughs> can you tell us? Can you take us through the process of the ONIFC cover, which, yeah. by the way, is legendary? Thank you, man. Um, so at that time, I was listening to a lot of Marvin Gaye. Mm. 
um, just studying his life and his path through music, what he had been through, um, just everything about Marvin Gaye. So I was really inspired by Marvin Gaye at that time. And my main goal was to just create something that was timeless, like a like a vinyl. And when you look at the, the those records from the time from that time, there was just certain things that stood out from the from the album cover that you know you didn't even really have to go so far or reach for to to achieve it. And that's what I wanted to do with O and IFC was just you know have my my own version of like a Al Green or like a Marvin Gaye cover, like a Rick James cover. Yeah. And um so yeah, and and I did it and everybody hated it. <laughs> <laughs> but it was cool though because that was the cool part about it cuz I was so surprised cuz I thought it was so fire. Mm-hmm. I'm like this shit is <laughs> heat. Yeah. And then it goes on everybody's <laughs> like, "Oh my god." <laughs> This isn't even rap music. And then they start making like memes and talking about it on the radio. I'm like, damn, I was wrong. Motherfuckers do not like this shit. But I stood by it, though, because that's my shit. <laughs> How did the movie um, with you and Snoop get on your sort of like schedule? Like, were, yeah. you, were you looking to do that? Who was determined enough to write a script? <laughs> yeah. Out of all of you stoners. <laughs> so that shit. <laughs> not shit because it ended up so good. Um, that happened in like a week, man. Like that was in between. That was around Rolling Papers. So I was moving out to L.A. Uh, it was like January, February, and Snoop was like, "You need to move here. Get a crib right around the corner from me." <laughs> <laughs> and did you? Yeah, I got a house right around the corner from me. He's like, "I want to see you every day." <laughs> so we was hanging out every day, and we did the soundtrack first. So um, we finished the soundtrack. And that's when Young, Wild, and Free happened. And then um, he was like, now we got to do a movie. I was like, I never done no movie. He was like, nigga, you can act. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, all right, bro. (laughs) So, like, literally, we blocked off, like, two months uh, that summer and just shot the movie. Like, it it took us, like, yeah, I think we shot it in that whole two months. Like, we shot some and then came back and then shot some more. And then... We went on a little tour for the for the music. Yep. That's when uh, the the song came out, Young, Wild, and Free. Mm-hmm. It went crazy, way past people's expectations and shit. And then we released the movie that winter, so it did, was cool. Did you know, like, did you believe in yourself that you could act? Like, when you got on set, when you left the trailer, yeah, were you were like, you I'm good? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I felt more confident because of Snoop. Yeah. Like, his, his faith in me brought out, like, some shit that I didn't even know I had no. for sure. And you guys had the most fun. Oh, super fun. <laughs> we got extra high. I don't even think I ever been that high in my life. And you still remembered your lines. Yeah, I remembered everything. I think we made up some shit yeah. on the way too. <laughs> Snoop is real fun to work with because he's not like he's not like oh, it has to be like this. Like well, yeah, but I mean like Snoop has seen it all, right? Yeah. And like he's at a level and you had you were also at that level right. where it's just like you know you're you're too big to fail Mm -hmm. you know like you you've got a devoted fan base you are you live the character you're playing right right (laughs) right what it's like uh eminem and eight mile it's Uh like really like you're gonna you're gonna fuck up your own life no he ain't got no ego either like yeah they throwing snow on the ground he's helping them (laughs) clean it up and shit that's awesome snoop is really nice yeah has (laughs) anything changed in between like that tour and like the tour you did together like a year ago nope yeah nah we still the same same fam like it's crazy being friends with him because I always wanted to be the homie. Like, 
of course we was gonna do music and shit like that but i always just wanted to be his friend like, yeah i just bring that friendness that i have to snoop <laughs> did you always want to be his neighbor <laughs> I didn't know that shit was gonna happen. <laughs> On Halloween, do you like open your door to like you know kids stop buying candy, or do you like turn off all the lights? <laughs> well, you know I got a kid, yeah. yeah, so I take him out. But nah, I haven't given. I don't like, give do you up. go to Snoop's house and like say like, all right, well, go get some like Reese's. <laughs> you can see pictures of me and Snoop on Halloween like two years ago. He was dressed up like a big baby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what were you? He, he goes all out for Halloween. I think uh, I was just like a car salesman or some shit. <laughs> Something super regular. Yeah, yeah. And he threw an 80s party this year. That's dope. So it was super cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, one thing we were talking about on the way over here, um, you, you can ask it, the the Chief Keef thing. Oh, yeah. So, oh, uh, shit. <laughs> yo, so Eric and I are like, listening to a bunch of your like guest features and that song comes up and i'm just like oh my god we have to talk with wiz about this this must be the most <laughs> insane story so you're out in the desert mm -hmm. <laughs> it's you 50 cent and you're waiting for chief keith yep. and chief keith doesn't show up right <laughs> at the height of his career <laughs> that shit was crazy dog yeah i was on a tour my show was in vegas we all the way in Vegas, like the city part. We drove an hour and a half out to the desert. Me and Fifty just filming scenes, like just little, like just driving the dune buggy, wait, just trying to waste time till we got there. And he never came. Fifty was like, "I ain't never working with this nigga again." <laughs> I was like, "I don't know, Phil." Did you know Fifty before that? Um, like, had you met? Nah, that was my first time meeting That's him. That's too What funny. a way to meet 50 Cent yeah, in yeah. the middle of the desert. In the middle of the damn desert. <laughs> How long were you guys out there for? Like four hours. <laughs> oh yeah, like four or five hours, man. We was out there for a minute because they kept saying he was going to come. <laughs> be like, all right, cool. Two minutes away. We'll stick around for the little homie. <laughs> he ain't fucking make it. Um, Have you spoken to Chief Keef since? Nope. Nah, yeah, kind of like through DM on mm. some cool shit. Like, Yo, I don't got no no bad feelings. Thank God he wasn't your neighbor, because you hear what he did? Like, tore up, like, neighbor's lawns with his, like, four wheels and all that? I'm cool off yeah. all that. <laughs> I'm so far away from that shit, yo. Like, I, st I stay low-key. Mm -hmm. But, nah, Chief Keef, cool. He smoke a lot of weed and shit. That's why I fuck with him. Um, I just want to go through some of your features here. Actually... One of our favorite songs, and we've seen you perform it live, and it's unbelievable. The Thrill, The yep. Empire of the Sun song. Yep. Yep. It's so great. And it's not, again, it, that's off, like, it's off a mixtape. Yep. Like, it's unbelievable. But some of your features are just incredible. French Montana's Choppa Choppa Down. Yep. That's an unbelievable one. Yeah. Like, what you do amazingly is you outdo the actual, <laughs> like, artist who puts out the song. But Good look. That, um, <coughs> Choosing with Currency and Rick Ross Love is one that of our song. favorites. Mind Control by Big Crit with E40. Oh, yeah, yeah. Unreal. <laughs> um, and well, how choosy are you in terms of hopping on other people's songs? Satellites I'm by a, Kevin oh, Gates. Yeah, yeah. It's weird. Uh, I'm just... I'm the type of person, like, I'm used to being underground. So when people want to work with me, I'm like, oh, shit, they want to do something with me? Fuck yeah, I'll do it. <laughs> like, I get excited, like... So this is usually anybody. Not unless like not unless I don't fuck with you like Right. <laughs> personally. But there's there's so many features that you have. Do you remember all of them at this point? No. <laughs> I don't remember all of them. I could no, I don't remember. So all it, of them. no, so if you're in someone's city and they call you up, they're like, Yo, can you really come through and perform this? Are you like, 
yeah, hold on one second. And then, like, go replay it and be like, oh, right, yeah, that's how that goes. Well, this is what I do. I say, fuck yeah. (laughs) Holla at me, bro. Let me know when to be there. And then I show up, and then I say, Will, play me that fucking song. (laughs) Play it again. (laughs) Do you enjoy recording on a bus, or is that just sort of a pain? Nah, I like recording on the bus. Yeah? Mm -hmm. It doesn't affect your creative process whatsoever? Nah. Like, you could be anywhere, and you'll be be fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll be good anywhere, yeah. We're in this studio. I guess you are consistently working out of this studio. No, I would switch around. I jump around a lot, Mm. especially in L.A., because the studios get booked all the time. So, I've been in this studio a lot, but not all the time, though. Yeah, because John was like, well, that's what's the seat. Oh, well, excuse me. I was literally just sitting here last night. like, (laughs) Never sat there before. (laughs) Do you enjoy having people in the studio with you when you record, or is that sort of a pain? No, I like to have people. You want to have, like, a vibe and, like. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I get. I get work done both uh where if i'm by myself i get to run through a lot of ideas and just have fun by myself yeah but it's good to have people in there for me because i like feedback and i like people to hear it and get excited about it later yeah and say yo man what was that fucking song that you played it's <laughs> kind that's kind of how i gauge like you know what to put out later um so we know nothing about the project you're currently working on if you're working on a project i mean we are in a studio so presumably you're working on something something yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um but what do you think your place is in the climate now? My place in the climate now is to just make the biggest and the best music possible. It's got to be something different. Uh, it can't. Young, wild, and free part two. <laughs> or in three and four. Yeah. <laughs> just keep going. I know, man. Continue that shit. But nah, really, it's just to do do something different that sounds good, but people aren't like, oh, I heard this whiz before. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of pressure to just keep doing the same things over and over. And um, I feel like I finally got into a place where I'm able to block that out and just, you know, make the type of music that people are um are are going to accept and be happy with and i feel like that's why i'm always in the studio because i'm reworking this shit constantly what i thought was the album like in fucking november isn't even relevant right now well how close like at that point how close did you think you were i thought i was done i thought i was done i thought i didn't even want to record any more songs who'd you play it for played it for everybody the I label it, too? Yeah, yeah, I played it for the label. I played it for the homies. We rode around, smoked, listened to it. It was like, this is it. And then now I'm like... Well, who said that, that you weren't ready? Like, who's the one who changed your mind? Or was it you being sitting with it for so long that you were just like, oh, you want to know what? Maybe... I feel like based off of um, the singles, that's how I'm able to judge when I want to drop my project. Mm-hmm. Because um, it takes my music just a little bit longer to catch on. Mm-hmm. It's not like, boom, and then... Uh, fucking everybody's yeah, fucking is delivered. Yeah. yeah right it <laughs> yeah. just takes a little bit of time to build so i'm just using that time to really make the best solid project that's going to fit around what's going on with that because you know what i thought might have happened with it that plan changed so the whole climate and the whole me and where i'm going to be at is going to be totally different and i hear music differently too mm-hmm. so like you guys said, it's just um, it's just about me finding my own space. So do you do you in turn put that out as a mixtape or just something like that can feed the the internet? Nah, I kind of just work on the biggest and the best stuff. Mm-hmm. That's what I learned from Rolling Papers. That frustrating kind of period of time 
was to just block everything out and just focus on this one thing and then get back to whatever it is that you want to do. Yeah. yeah. Do you have to feed the meter? I have to feed the meter, but okay. I'm going to ask this question first. Stoner rappers mm-hmm. as a as a genre, as a community. Mm-hmm. Um you know, there's a there's a shorthand in in terms of like the the language that people use. Like mm-hmm. you, it's it's people use the same words all the time. Mm-hmm. Do you find that to be inhibiting, or do you think that's freeing for you? I think that yeah. now I'm going to leave because I'm not going to answer. I'm not, I'm not going <laughs> to listen to your answer. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck the answer. <laughs> you just wanted to ask me a damn question. <laughs> um, I think that the majority of the time it's it's just about the artist. Um. If the music is solely based upon like pot and pot stories and things like that, then it could be inhibiting. Mm-hmm. But if your main vibe is something that people could smoke to, you don't really have to be talking about weed at all f- to give people that same highness and that same vibe. Yeah. And I feel like I've been able to create a balance of uh, straight weed raps or uh, fucking motivational songs or songs about women or um party songs i've i've been able to do all of those and you can still smoke weed to all of them right and i'm still a pot rapper so i don't i don't i think it just depends on who the artist is do you consider yourself or a certain part of your career trap whiz because like a lot, <laughs> like you know like a lot of people, i love I, I love trap whiz same and the world wants to bring trap whiz out i right. think i think there should just be sprinkles of trap whiz <laughs> here and there uh, like I said, I just be turning into these different characters, and the older that I get, the more I've, I've I know how to appropriate them. Yeah, yeah. Um, so maybe a, a three or four weeks ago, mm-hmm. DJ Green Lantern put something. I woke up in the middle of the night and I'm checking Twitter, and I see that Green Lantern throws something up about uh, Burner, and he, Burner was like, "Yo, I'm taking meetings just for the fuck of it," and using my favorite word, "no," right, mm-hmm. which is great. Mm-hmm. Um, that he goes to labels and just says no for the fuck of it. Mm-hmm. And I, and so then I went to Burner's page and I saw that he just that night, or maybe it was like, you know, a decent hour here, but mm-hmm. back on the East Coast, it was middle of the night and Burner was like, yo, got a new video for my new song and it's produced by Scott Storch. And I was like, well, I have to watch this. Mm-hmm. So I'm watching it and it took me all like three minutes and 40 seconds or whatever to realize until the very end that you are driving the car in the video, <laughs> <laughs> which is great. Like That's you're not dope. featured on the song, right, like right, right. two shorts on the, the intro yep. and then it's just Burner yep. and it's a great song yep. and I fuck with it heavy. And in the video, you're driving a car around Los Angeles uh-huh. with Burner and Shotgun and it's the most fun thing. I yep. don't know. That was super fun. Did so. he call you up and say like, yo, let's <laughs> drive around in the middle of the night? This is wild. So boom, he calls me. Uh, at like 9 o'clock in the morning I'm driving my son off at school He's like yo I need you bro I'm like what's good He's like Man I was supposed to have a car come through For my video And the motherfucker ain't showing up And I just need one of your whips I'm like come on dog You know I got you <laughs> Like of course So I got three low riders One's black One's gray And one's red He's like I want the red one The drop top So I'm like cool Perfect They're all charged up Everything's good so I was like, he, I'm like, what time you need me? He's like, man, around like when the sun go down, like seven or eight. I'm like, cool, perfect. That's when I put my son to bed. So I put my son to bed, get dressed, go outside, take the thing <laughs> off the car, take the top off, uh, plug all the switches up, lift it up off the ground, go to start it, bitch don't cut <laughs> off. I'm like, oh, fuck. 
<laughs> so I'm sitting there for like two hours trying to just figure out what's going on. So I have a car dude. His name is Snyder. He lives all the way on the other side of town. Damn. I'm like, Snyder, you got to come see me because I got to <laughs> get this car for Burner. It's the only one that he wants. I'm getting ready to get into another one that's not the red one. I'm like, fuck. So Snyder comes, looks under the hood, goes like this on a little <laughs> wire, and the car starts. I'm like, oh, my God. Yeah, that's why Snyder's that guy. Yeah, yeah. so thank, thankful thankful for Snyder. Yeah. <laughs> the whole video played out. But it was cool. We just drove around like on, uh, on Ventura and shit. Yeah. Hit a couple switches. It was cool. It was fun. Who's the most important person in your life besides your son? Who does not smoke? Ooh, who doesn't smoke? Everybody in my family smoke. No, my, in like, my life. Yeah, but outside of that. I think every I've gotten everybody to hit some weed, so that <laughs> means that they smoke. <laughs> Eric and I are the only ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's y'all then. <laughs> I've gotten everybody to hit weed. Yo. Like, yeah. Literally everybody. How did you first connect with currency, like way back when? MySpace. MySpace mm -hmm. was he in your top eight? <laughs> <laughs> it was weird. I was on the internet at that time, just like cruising the internet. I knew I wasn't gonna be on Warner anymore. Yep. Mm -hmm. So I was just trying to build my alliances. I'm like <laughs> checking out motherfuckers and like doing my research and shit. And I seen Big Sean and I seen Currency. I was like, these two motherfuckers is dope. <laughs> So I hit up Big Sean. I was like, yo, man, I feel like we have like a similar vibe, bro. I think we should link up. And he never hit me back. <laughs> Fuck Big Sean. <laughs> Currency hit me right back. was like, oh, dude, I, I actually fuck with you. Like, I did a freestyle over one of your records. So he sent me Say Yeah, because he had done a freestyle. Yeah. The modern day hippie uh, freestyle. Yeah. And then uh, I was like, oh, shit, that's crazy. I'm going to come down to New Orleans and come kick it with you. And he was like, yeah, um, I could book you a hotel. But I'm like, nigga, I'm going to sleep on the couch. Don't book me no hotel. Save that money for weed. Yeah. And then, that's how we became best friends because he was like, holy shit. Like, we are the exact same dude. Yeah. And, like, I came down. I went down there, flew down there, stayed at his crib for, like, a month maybe. And we just smoked and made music together, made videos. The internet loved it. And then I came back to Pittsburgh for like two weeks and hated it and was like, I want to go back to New Orleans. Yeah. And ended up living with him for the whole summer. That's crazy. Then we moved up to New York together. And he ended up staying there longer than I did. But, um, yeah. He had the spot um, by by Bubby's. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. And he was at the dojo, heavy. <laughs> yeah, he yeah, built, yeah. He built the dojo. Yeah. Yep. Wild. So yep. you've had Snoop as a neighbor. Currency as a roommate, yeah. <laughs> Are there anybody else that we should know about? Uh, no, nah, I think that's it. No no people like make extended stays at your place. Yeah, like, no, nah, I don't got nobody hiding under the bed. <laughs> <laughs> Do you extend that invitation to like artists that you dig? Like, are you just like, yeah, come, come kick, kick it? it? Yeah. Absolutely. Really? I really do. Because, man, I don't know. It's like, I always like to facilitate shit because I never really had that for myself. Yeah. I mean, I did. E. Dan did that for me. Right. It was like, mm -hmm. come to the studio, do what you want to do. So I, I know how important that is as an artist, whatever scale it's on. Like, you know what I mean? So I always tried to have like an extra crib with a studio in it or something. So when the homies come, they could stay there or like, you know, just to just so we could keep it in house. Yeah. And everybody be comfortable. When you went out on the road with Jeezy and Uzi, right, mm -hmm. and drama mm -hmm. is is that something where like everybody, because they're all different like points, obviously, in, mm -hmm. in everyone's career. Is that something where like you guys can all bond like over certain 
like meals or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Well, I made sure everybody has fun on my tour. That's dope. Yeah, it's like a family thing. So you might have a dressing room, but I'm busting in that <laughs> motherfucker. I don't care. It's like, what you going to do? What you going to say? I'm coming in there. I'm talking shit. Yep. I'm getting you to smoke some weed before your show. I don't care how uncomfortable you're about to be. After the show, I'm DJing in my dressing room. So yeah. you can either be a lame and go on your bus or you can come drink and have fun. That's how I do them. Um, <laughs> you are one of the most known uh, artists who have become a DJ. Like, <laughs> you have a residency down in, in yep. Vegas. Uh-huh. Um, Daddy Cat. Daddy Cat, yeah. yeah. Do you enjoy that? Love it. Have you broken any records? Every record. Every- <laughs> I broke um, I broke White Iverson for uh, Post, Post Malone. Malone. Whoa. Mm-hmm. Did he send you a plaque? Yeah. I know. Nah. yeah. It's cool. I don't want it. I don't need it. <laughs> Do you try your records out like when during your Not sets? really. No? I feel like that's corny. Oh, really? I play the classics. Yeah. I'll play some classic shit so you Black don't even think it's yeah, me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll play some underground like smoking drinking like off of cabin fever too yeah. like some wild shit yeah but i i do i will say i'm responsible not responsible but i had a lot of influence in the soundcloud rappers being transitioned into the club wow that shit wasn't happening before who me who were some of them that you were like really feeling ugly god yep mm-hmm. um uzi mm-hmm. um not playboy cardi he he had popped off afterwards um who else is uh, fucking McConan? Yeah, that uh, that shit. Because I, I was on tour with DJ Drama. Yeah, so he would come to my. I would do sets after after the after the concerts and shit. Yeah. We would go to little clubs or I would DJ backstage. He'd be like, "Damn, I never. I have this song and I don't play it." I'm like, "You need to play this shit, bro." And then slowly but surely, and Don Cannon as well. He yeah. plays a lot of the new shit as well. But I I say between me, Drama, and Cannon. I don't know about any other DJs if they done it before, but just from what I know, yeah, made that transition from for the kids to be able to be played in the club. Wow, yeah, for sure. And That's, who was putting the music on your radar? Just my homies, or me just being a nerd on the internet. Mm-hmm. I would say my my uncle Mo, uh, my cousin Jul. We we really share music. Ricky P, mm-hmm. uh, the homie with the long dress. Mm-hmm. We share a lot of music. Just if we hear some shit. Like Kodak Black, like yeah. all that shit before yeah. it was popping. Wait, Marsha didn't put you onto Kodak Black? I put Marsha <laughs> on the Kodak Black. <laughs> um, you were talking before about uh, Big Sean Currency. Um, you guys were supposed to have a, a project together, right? Yeah, we did like That's a little about, yeah. a little thing thing mm-hmm. that came out. It was, oh, it did come out. Mm-hmm. I gotcha. Were yeah, there any yep. like pro- group projects that you were trying to put together that never came out? Um. Nah, because me and Juicy did ours with TM. I was always wanting to do that. Yep. I did one with Ty. It was like small. It was an EP, and I have one with Burner recorded now. So yeah. And you I, and Currency had that one. We had live in concert yep. too. That yeah, was dope. really good. That got slept on. Yeah. No, I played no. that for my girl the other day. She was like, "What the fuck is this?" <laughs> I'm like, "It's out. It's on iTunes." Yeah. You're like, Some SoundCloud rappers, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the little homies. <laughs> um. What is what does Taylor Gang mean to you in 2018? Taylor Gang is all about being self-made. It's an experience, but it's also like it's it's about the vision and it's bigger than just music. Um Taylor Gang is all over the place like 
we're doing technology. We're doing we're in the weed space really heavy. What you? I know, <laughs> crazy. But it's just, it's just bigger than just like selling buds of weed, like electronically making weed or like you know CBD creams. Yeah. Um, athletics. You know what I'm saying? Like plant based protein drinks and shit like that. Um, juice. Like you guys go to Juice Press? Uh, we only go to um, Styles P's Juice Bar. Oh, <laughs> Juices yeah, for true. Life. Yeah, Shout out to Juice for Life. So I'm trying to I'm podcast. trying to do something like Styles P, but more corporate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a Jamba Juice. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to be hanging out at the bar. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like that's what Taylor Gang is. It's a, it's a business and it's a life, and it's it's not just my face on everything. You know, like yeah. burner. Got the number one hip hop album yeah. on iTunes. Without, and his face is literally on the it's cover. It's his face. <laughs> yeah. Don't say shit about me on there. I'm on one damn song. And Ty's album did amazing. I'm on one fucking song. Yo. And I, I don't like go down the street with a Ty Dollar Sign flag, but right. people love him. And it's it's the organization. So we all represent each other. It's, it's a team. So that's what it's really all about. Um, we have to talk about you uh, kickboxing. Yeah. Um, what what <laughs> the <laughs> fuck yeah. so um i was really really unhealthy mm-hmm. and i didn't even know it and nobody had to tell me i just felt crazy mm-hmm. and then i went to the gym and my weight was down like really bad and my body mass was like really bad and my body was just dehydrated and i was just like i'll never live like that again so i I started just by wanting to do jujitsu like my homies. I'm like, yeah, I'll just try something new. That's like diving in the deep end. Yeah. I mean, fuck it, right? Yeah. But when I started, I was like, I could be challenging myself way more. And then that's when I went to Unbreakable and I met Jay Glazer and he told me about the fight team and I met all the UFC and the Bellator guys and the professional athletes and the recoveries and the MVPs. They got a program for... um for retired vets who come back from war and they have PTSD and they wow. kind of just need a place to like get down, get some aggression out and like and talk to people about it. Yeah. And it's really helped people from like killing themselves or being homeless. They've been able to bounce back and get on their feet. So for me, it was just my health was so important to me. And I started lifting weights. I started eating better and realizing how much I wasn't doing for myself. And then that's when, you know, I kind of just it became a thing like all right i'm always gonna do this forever so it's it's not just about kicking ass like i love fighting mm-hmm. and i'm really good at it and they always and everybody who te- who sees me tells me how much natural ability that i have and if i keep training harder like they want to set me up for real fights yo in case anyone's wondering out there if wiz wants it like let's go they yeah. want to <laughs> set me up for real fights and i'm with it i just got to keep training and i got to keep my mind right and then when the time is comes it's gonna go you, down. You get a kick to the neck. <laughs> you get a lot of kicks into, yeah. to a lot of different places. Yeah, some elbows, some knees, couple headbutts. <laughs> gets real dirty in there. How has fatherhood changed your whole perception of life? It made me grow up being a father. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of people are scared to grow up and like change their ways because they think it's like corny or whack it's kind of scary but um you know it made me my son made me grow up yeah and because everything that i do is for him so i can't 
I can't be missing. I can't be off beat. I have to train myself to be that guy that he needs. And more now than ever, because he's reading and he's learning how to spell and he's he's doing things independently. So it's like it's my job to program him for that. And I can't be so into myself that I'm not, you know, giving him his fool what he's supposed to get. So, you know, I sometimes I got to go to bed at 8.30 so I get enough rest because I know I got to get up in the morning. Yeah. And a lot of the times I take him to the gym with me to see people around or, you know. How's his kickboxing game? He's amazing. He's, you know, he's fucking, he hits hard, yo. <laughs> I got to watch him. <laughs> he hits super hard. What's he into now? Mainly books and spelling. Mm-hmm. And I feel super proud about that because I got him into it. Yeah. Like, we wake up in the morning. I'm like, yo, man, let's 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 write some letters, man. Let's let's do this. And then we would do a letter, and he would do it incorrect, and I put an X on it, and he would That's do another a, letter. Yeah. <laughs> 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 and then I put a circle around it. He's like, yeah, he gets super excited. So it's just cool, man. Like, and then I mean, he's progressing really, really fast, and he likes it. He loves the challenge. So that's dope. Reading and writing—that's his shit. All right, so you've been in the studio regularly. You recorded a whole album that you're not even gonna put out for sure. <laughs> now, now what? Like, now you're just gonna start from scratch and like get to another endpoint? I'm just gonna wait for all the stuff to catch up. I put in a lot of work up to this time that nobody really seen mm-hmm. so now it's just time for it to catch up and really start affecting people yeah. um, what kind of things are you what, what excites you like in terms of music in terms of movies like what what outside of all of this are you like yo like that's cool um shit mainly like the gym and fighting <laughs> but movies, uh, I mean, you know, like everybody watches Netflix and all the yeah. series and shit. On Yo, there. by the way, we have a new uh, series that we do on our podcast uh-huh. called Two Jews and Two Black Dudes Review uh-huh. the Movies with Styles and uh, and and Sheik. Uh huh. And so, if you're ever in New York and you, yeah. you want to join, because yeah. yeah. it's so much fun. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's probably crazy because they're like, well, Sheik is super hood. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, well, Styles is too, but he's yeah. like cleaning it up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yo, so it's yeah, crazy. We have very different taste. Sheik's favorite movie. Are like Lil Nicky. <laughs> meanwhile, I'm talking about like yeah, different documentaries. documentaries. Yeah. <laughs> it's wild though. All right, yeah, so we, we gotta talk about like some pimp movies. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah no, for sure. Yeah, well, I, I, I watch Superfly every yeah. day. Every day they're, they're remaking Superfly. They don't need to do that. <laughs> Please don't do that. They are ever. doing that. No. Yeah. Who? Why? Director X and <laughs> okay and Future. I think. Right? Oh no. <laughs> Dog, please tell me you're joking, bro. I'm, I'm not. And fu- I'm not. <sighs> <laughs> Some things just don't need to be remade, but not with future in it. Not, no. Yo, everybody loves uh, Shaft Two, right? <laughs> the second Shaft that came out. I think they're doing another Shaft. Are the one with really? Samuel Jackson was just on the other day. I love that one. Damn, that's cool as hell. But they don't need to do another one. Who's no. gonna be Shaft? Future. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yo, oh, yo, do you <laughs> so have future is like a black exploitation <laughs> actor now? <laughs> do you have any lines that um actually I mean I can I can think of one where it was like it was so like cool in that time and now it's just like well every car has a push button like start. Do you have oh, any yeah. lyrics where you're just like like remember when Fabulous was like yo BBM pose and it was just like oh that's gonna last for a second or uh-huh. like people talk about like things and it's just like yeah, it's super yeah, dated. Yeah, yeah yeah yeah. Do you have any of those lines? Oh fuck. Now these hoes follow like Twitter. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <Ugh>. <laughs> That's so corny, bro. <laughs> That's terrible. 
<laughs> do you up, do you update them when you perform live? I can't like, say. <laughs> I can't really update that one. That dated the fuck out of me, though, for sure. <laughs> we all remember 2009. Yeah. <laughs> At least you didn't have like. Um, at least you don't say like. Remember when like Cash Money was just like for the nine nine. Oh yeah, for the no, nine nine. That sounds so good. Like, I know, but it does tell you like a specific time. Yeah, yeah nobody was really like oh eight. <laughs> <laughs> okay so obviously recording new music obviously going to the gym obviously reading to your son are you gonna be touring soon yeah okay. yeah we're still setting up the tour uh so like the process is you i just get a bunch of names yep and i figure out who would be cool to go on tour with like, that's awesome yeah yeah it's cool because i i want we're doing the sheds like outside yep so we just got to build it up for the fans you know yeah they got the you got the people who tailgate you got the pit yep. you got the 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 lawn yeah VIPs who don't give a shit so it's like yeah <laughs> are you bringing out the giant uh, uh, doobies like, yeah, yeah for, for <laughs> to like hand out <laughs> <laughs> um <laughs> we all there when we had people dressed up like them yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you remember Blood Smoker did that shit that shit was so funny my homies used to fight to try to get in the suit yo <laughs> I want to be the lighter tonight <laughs> <laughs> By the way, we're trying to do an episode with Will at some point. Yeah. Do you have any good Will stories? Will went to jail in <laughs> something Illinois. What was it? Rock uh, Rock Island, Illinois. Where is that? Some some fucking fuck place. <laughs> but we were <laughs> we were so ratchet. Um, we had gotten kicked out of our hotel the night before for smoking weed by the cops so we just went and stayed at some random we was, it was the La Quinta so we stayed at the La Quinta and then I screamed at the promoters the next day I was like y'all set us up put us in a bullshit area fuck you I need to buy some weed because the cops took our weed so we go over to there um, to get the weed and shit I got on like pajama pants and um, so we get the weed and the dude's like trying to get us to stay. He told us that the area was hot. He was like, this is a trap house, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, why do you have me pulling up to somewhere called the trap house, bro? <laughs> but I did it anyway. And I pulled off and I was I, I was pretty mad. So like I was like speeding, driving like I was at home and yeah. shit. And we got pulled over. Damn. So the cops come and they check the whole car. They ask us if we got weed on us. I say no. They sit us out on the corner, uh, put cuffs on you? us. Of course they did. <laughs> they let us go. They checked. They told Will, was like, yo, he said it's yours, so you need to tell us where he got it from, blah, blah, blah. They was trying to get him to snitch on me. Damn. And he didn't tell, so they let me go and took his ass to jail and yo. shit. <laughs> yeah, so, like, long story short, I let him sit in there for an hour and then uh, and then – picked him up and shit yeah 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 he learned his lesson exactly <laughs> <laughs> what else did we miss burn after rolling um, uh yeah i don't know i just loved all the names of, of all your projects i think like Good that's look. like a plus yeah yeah for sure yeah appreciate that um I know you were going to do Rolling Papers 2. Uh -huh. that, that was going to be the title. Yeah. Is that still the case or no? I think I'm just going to do it, man. You are. Like, yeah, it. yeah. What's stopping you? <laughs> I didn't want to because I, I felt like I was whack. I felt like it was good at first, but then I looked at everybody who has a 2, and I'm like, <laughs> oh, why do I got to make a 2? But then it was like, I really don't have anything else to call it right now. <laughs> Burn after reading. Because <laughs> something, something yeah. brand new would yeah. be like weird as fuck. 
fuck? Like, people are like, what the fuck is that? I don't know what the fuck that is. I can't go. I can't go too crazy. So I don't know. I'm still in the naming process. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then I'm just trying to figure out the cover as well. But I know what I'm gonna do. And finishing the album. Finishing the motherfucking album. Yeah. Yep. Is there anybody who you? Because you've you've welcomed so many people into the Taylor Gang family. Mm-hmm. Is there anybody who you were like so close to signing? A, a lot of people. Yeah, there's a lot of people I was really close to signing. A lot of people who. If I would have been able to do what I wanted to do, mm-hmm. they would be really happy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was very happy when you, um, when when Space uh, Goes Perp was with yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. Like I remember, I said that to you. Mm-hmm. Like, you, there's no way you remember this, even though you have a very good memory. But I, I did say it was that you, South by Southwest, yeah, right? Was, <laughs> <laughs> Just making shit. <laughs> That would have like freaked me the fuck <laughs> out. Yeah, 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 yeah. If you're like, yes, it was at that small studio. In New York. Yeah, 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 yeah. What producers excite you right now? TM and he's already signed to Taylor yeah, Gang. Yeah. yeah. Oh, thank God. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. He uh, did we sign yet? He's he's going to be tight. Announce it on here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's going to be super tight. Uh, Pierre, I like him. Mm-hmm. He's dope. Yeah. He really is dope. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Have you spent time with him? Nah, I talked to him. He DM'd me. Super excited. So, f- plan on doing some work with him. You know what happens when you DM people, though? Then you end up in the desert <laughs> waiting for four hours <laughs> with 50 Cent. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. But, yeah, I mean, as far as like younger and newer people, um, yeah, it's, like a, it's like a wave. Like, everybody's so independent now. Nobody really wants to kind of like coexist or like break bread or like say i'm with this person mm. you got uh smoke perp he's with travis right i think that's really dope i think the more of that that you see the better off because travis is experienced mm-hmm. and like he's made numerous albums you know what i'm saying not just for him but for kanye and like for people around him right so if you're somebody who works with him you're gonna get some heat Mm-hmm. So like that's why you do that shit. You work with niggas who got heat, right? And um, you know maybe more people will. Do you consider yourself like still a Pittsburgh guy, or mm-hmm. are you like a Los Angelino now? <laughs> I'm definitely still Pittsburgh. I love the Berg. I'm, I'm never going about juicing and stuff. I know. Yeah, yeah. Do you take hikes? Like, <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't hike. But. I'm gonna get everybody in Pittsburgh on some kickboxing shit too. Open a juice bar there. Yeah. All of the all of the stuff that I, that I do it comes from my Pittsburgh mentality. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm just able to function in L. A. because you know there's people with more than me out here. Well, so it keeps me motivated. Now that you're eating right, you can't go back to Pittsburgh. So. Oh no. Nah. <laughs> See, that's the crazy thing. I still eat like cheesesteaks and like burgers and bullshit. Yeah. That's the good thing about open up. <laughs> you can eat whatever you want. Yeah. Well. Congratulations on everything. Yo, thank you guys. It's so great to see you. Thanks for having us out here. Absolutely. Thank you guys too. Right on. Thanks everyone for listening to this new episode of A Waste Time with It's The Real. Jeff, if people want to find out more about us, we are It's The Real. If people want to find out more about this podcast, it's called A Waste of Time with It's The Real. If people want to find out more about this 10-year career of ours that we have, this brand that we have built, where can they go? You can always go to itsthereal.com, I-T-S-T-H-E-R-E-A-L, no apostrophes, no spaces. Go find all of our updates there, all of our live shows, all of our music, all of our podcasts can be found there. If you really want to go and find our podcast, though, it is on iTunes. Search for A Waste of Time with It's The Real. You can also go to soundcloud.com slash a waste of time. We are also on 
Stitcher, and any other streaming service to go find our podcast. It will be there. Yes. Um, you can also find our music. It is on Spotify and Apple Music and Tidal and, and you know what? many more. I read somewhere that Tidal is the one that pays artists the most. So what I would say is... All our title fans out there, all our people who are supporting Jay-Z and have a subscription to title, go to Teddy Bear Fresh by It's The Real and press play and, you know, the price is going up. The price is going up. We are also on Instagram at It's The Real, Facebook at It's The Real, Twitter at It's The Real. We are on Snapchat at It's It's The Real, but I can't remember the last time we used it. And we are on Twitch at It's The Real, It's The Real, but we have never never used it but um our following count is getting up there just like dj academic oh good yeah shout out to everybody who's following us on all the social media things that no one ever uses anymore we appreciate the numbers yeah jeff you know this podcast is not going anywhere not to akron not to any unnamed cities as of yet unless you guys out there our loyal following spreads the word to their friends family and fans out there tell them about a waste of time with it's the real we know it starts with us and we like to shout out our friends who listen on a weekly basis jeff who do you want to shout i want to shout out Dwayne evans hey Dwayne evans who whiskey is his favorite rapper okay and the thing is he doesn't really listen to a lot of rap he's an r&b guy he's an r&b guy he likes very smooth soul music that's right but uh but he likes whiskey Khalifa and he's i want to shout him out he's a sunday morning type of guy he's a clean the house type of guy he's just an r&b dude he's just an r&b dude he's 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 the carl thomas to the ring <laughs> shout out to Dwayne. yeah i want to shout out jeff our friend dave one from chromio wow dave who is gonna be on the podcast soon yeah and sent us some new music this week that outside of their chromio circle we are the first people to hear this song and i can't tell you the feature that's on it guys but it's so good but it's so good and wayne evans will be so happy when he hears this song and we were so happy when we listened to this song it's outstanding shout out to chromio look out for chromio performing on the festival circuit this summer look out for their new album and definitely Look out for that upcoming episode of A Waste of Time with It's The Real. Shout out to Dave One. Shout out to A-Track. Shout out to Pete Thug. Shout out to the whole Chromio and Fool's Gold Extended family. Again, guys, you want us to come to your city, hit us up. Eric at It's The Real.com and Jeff at It's The Real.com. Not for real, for real. Sure, sure. We'll see you guys next week. Brrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrr